Welcome in to another edition of the Tap and Keg Podcast episode, episode 506. We are talking Bucks exit interviews, we're talking about the guy we're excited the most for the Green Bay Packers out of the NFL draft. We're going to also chat about things we've liked about the Brewers, things we don't like, things that might concern us uh, going forward. So we'll, we'll discuss that at the end here. But before we do all of that, welcome my co-host on the other side of the Zoom, Mitch. What's happening? Not much. Sitting here, uh, you know, doing the old sports thing again. Uh, you got Eastern Conference uh, semifinal flop fest. <laughs> flop fest 2023. Uh, yeah, the extended with, version. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we thought that... Uh, you know, we were going to turn our turn it around for the Bucks. We the last time we taped, it's been a while, uh, was after game four. And we kind of hoped, like, all right, this is maybe the start. We referred back to we taped after the Brooklyn 50 point debacle in 2021. And it turns out, uh, we only had one more game of Brewer, or, uh, Bucks basketball left during the season, uh, which was frankly stunning. And I asked, or I, uh, I asked myself this yesterday when I did a solo pod about if I felt better, worse, or the same as a week ago. Um, and it's a little more than a week now uh, with this going up on Thursday. I guess I'll ask you that same question: Like, are you feeling better? Are you feeling worse? Are you still feeling the same? Like, kind of where your headspace at, is at as a Bucks fan before we dive into sort of the the exit interview of it all. I, th- I think it it kind of got a little worse as the days went on. Um, I think I'm starting to level off again or possibly get, get less upset again. Um, now that we're, yeah, a week, a week out, but over the weekend it was kind of like, damn, we should be, we should be playing in this, in this game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when the Knicks and the heat started, that was tough. And then the heat won that game and it was like, well, you know, yeah, it, it was legit, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, and, made and they lost game it. two, but but they they were without Butler, and you know they don't fucking go away. They don't miss. No, so, I the mean, Heat. I mean, the Heat really are like that eight seed in hockey that just you know didn't have a good regular season and then have put it all together. And yeah. their version of a hot goaltender is Jimmy Butler, right? And yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's 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 you know again. We were saying it throughout the series. I don't know if it was on the podcast. Probably was, but they weren't a normal eight seed. And yeah, they're 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 like a team that, you know, I feel like you don't see it very much in the NBA. But a team that was injured. Um, I mean, they they were. It, it's hard yeah. to it's hard to say whether it's you know precautionary and stuff like that in the NBA these days. But you know, a lot of guys in another lineup. But it also gives you a chance to to figure out who your guys are and stuff like that. So, um, you know, they're, they're like that team that has, they were a shot away from the NBA finals last year. And, you know, we're kind of just playing possum all season and got healthy towards the end of the year for the most part. And all of a sudden their guys couldn't miss. And, you know, Kyle Lowry is, I'm not going to say back to any type of form, but you know, not completely done, I suppose. And right. Jimmy Jimmy Butler has gone to playoff Jimmy, and and I are. 
I don't think it would have been much different if Tyler Harrow was playing. Some could say maybe it was would be worse, but you do have to wonder if they're defensively, they just might not have been the same team. They might not have been as physical. There might have been a little more opportunity. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. Yeah. It's it's hard to say. Um, it's it's always, you know, <laughs> I don't know if it's if it's just trying to justify yourself, but for me, sometimes when a team supposed better players aren't there, there's just like would Caleb Martin have played as much? No. Um, would Duncan, well, we, Duncan Robinson sure shit wouldn't have played. No. And we, I mean, we saw it with the Sixers in game one. Now game two is going on as we tape, but like they, without MB, they all stepped up. They collectively, James Harden knew it was the moment and in a rare playoff James Harden moment, he was like, I got to be the guy here tonight. DeAndre Melton, you know, DeAnthony Melton, like huge game had five three six threes. Like, and I made a joke to our chat. I was like, well, that would happen to the Bucks, Like, you know, mm-hmm. nothing just going off for no reason. And Paul Reed hit the big free throws. And I, I do think you're right. There is a little bit of that nut up mentality because your guy isn't there. And there's somewhat of a win one for the Gipper mentality. where like, we want to win this for the guy that like hurt. And heard Drew Holiday say that after game two. And it, it made you feel good. Like, okay. Maybe Giannis could miss another game because that's how their mentality is, and they're they're gonna win this for Giannis, and then they you know basically laid down in game in game three, and it was a terrible loss and a one that will still annoy me. Uh, I that one's the one that I can't necessarily shake. I mean, the collapses are the collapses, and all the stuff that we learn now with Mike Budenholzer and his brother, and I wish I've talked at length about, but it's like. I just I look at it now and I yeah that one bothers me. But the topic hmm. that we're having is not necessarily a retrospective of that series itself. It's more of an exit interview. And for those who have done an exit interview, uh, you know, it's basically end when you end your you know workplace and you end on a good note, you don't get laid off, you don't get fired. You usually talk to your organization or HR team and say like, here's the things I liked, here's the thing I didn't like. Here were, you know, here were some identifiable problems, um, you know, and just kind of go through the game. Um, and it's usually a pretty good conversation. You usually feel very safe. You kind of are like, yeah, fuck it. Like, I'm not going to maybe hang anyone out to dry. Maybe you will if you didn't like somebody. Um, but it's just sort of a safe space. And that's, I think, just a conversation about everything, about where the Bucks stand, where do you go from here, and, you know, how how do you sort of adapt now for not only the 2023 and 2024 season, but maybe the new NBA, which I think is different. I, I do like, I look at all this young talent. I look at, and I, maybe we can do this next week. We don't have to, or maybe I'll do it solo, but I feel like I could create a starting lineup of guys that I wish were Milwaukee Bucks players that I don't think were unrealistic to be Milwaukee, Milwaukee Bucks players. And so, yeah, and we can kick it off. I think, I think coaching is the biggest part of this. Um, and, and just, you know, where, where you sit with Mike Budenholzer and kind of what you, what you kind of expect going forward. Well, I mean, with Bud after, after game five, you know, and the way that game four and five really shook out with basically back-to-back collapses, which when you said game three is going to be the one that haunts you, I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's probably one of game four or five for me. Um, probably four more than anything. Um, 
because if you win that game, you're two, two heading back home and right. Um, you, know, you should have, but you know, those two games and the way those, the collapses and not calling timeouts and, you know, not really making any adjustment on Jimmy Butler and just sort of letting him go off. But I mean, that's, that's, that's a, a debate as old as, as old as the game of basketball has been around. Um, right. Do you, do you cut the head off the snake or do you, you know, um, and, right. and open up and open up other, other opportunities for other people, wide open shots for other guys, or because, you know, look at Boston last you played Boston last year. That's what we lost to. You let you let Grant Williams shoot and he killed you. And right. yeah, you, know, you didn't want to um, learn you learned from your you could argue they were trying to learn from their mistakes. They're like, let's not I, have a random ass guy be the the quote unquote Bucks killer. And it, yeah. and the Bucks killer this time was the star player. And you're right. I mean, I don't well, think a lot of Bucks fans have conti- but continue. Yeah, I wasn't I mean, you listen to Bill Simmons of the world, and they're and they're talking about, um, oh well, you know the uh, the Lakers didn't guard two guys in the words, just and, blah, blah, blah. and it's like, well, when that works, it's genius. When it doesn't work, you're the dumbest motherfucker in the world. So it's like, you know, it, it, and, and that's why coaches get paid a lot of money, right? But, um, and then you know you find out what happened with his brother, and there were some were you know le- rumors about it on the internet, and it was like, wow, like. I don't know in what world would you, would you, would you coach in that situation? Right. Um, and I have to think that it was his decision or his, his and, and his family's decision mm-hmm. that this is what he would have wanted or one of those types of things. Um, Cause there's, I mean, there's no way that there's no way that the organization didn't know. Right. Right. No. Oh yeah. The organization knew. I mean, you know, even if you're not close with that brother, right. Boodles has a big family. He has seven family members. I would, you know, and I'm not trying to be crass or trying to be, you know, you know, take the situation in another direction, but you know, there might be brothers you're not, you're not as close with, but still you lose a family member to that level. Even if you're not close with them, it's going to stick with you. It's going to ache at you. And And the fact that John Horst or ownership didn't have sort of the gumption to tell Bud, like, hey, you need to take a debt. You at least need to take game four. And, like, I know Giannis is coming back. I understand this is a must-win game for us. But let Charles Lee is right there. He's being rumored to be a head coach in other places. I realize this is thrown into the fire, but work with Charles. Get Charles prepared. Take a day just completely reset here and just, you know, coach on coach on Wednesday. We'll see you Wednesday. And d- am I confident that the same thing might not happen and the Bucks would have collapsed with Charles Lee at the helm or the Bucks would have had an awful strategy and Charles Lee, you know, just kind of being a foot soldier running what Bud does and it would have fallen apart. Yeah, maybe, you know, it might not have happened, but I think having that sort of take a break, take a deep breath is not, a bad thing and i think we all need that in times of grief even the people who try to gut through it it's really really fucking difficult and i don't think that anyone should take that for granted and i i just wish somebody would have been i don't even want to say an adult in the room but i just wish somebody would have kind of put their foot down a little bit with bud and maybe that just speaks to the power bud has in this organization yeah yeah, I, I don't really. I, I guess we may never know what what happened with 
-hmm. with that. But as soon as you find that out, it's kind of like, well, that may explain some of the, you know, not calling a timeout with the half a second left at the end of regulation, which would, would give you a chance at least at a catch and shoot opportunity. Um, and, you know, even when the game was tied and you never, never know what happens and, you know, some of the, some of the, I guess, split second decision-making like that may, may have, uh, been affected. Um, and, you know, I am probably never going to be one that is going to do take a victory lap if, if he is fired, um, regardless of the news of his brother or not. I mean, it's just, you know, but I, I kind it kind of felt like, I, I don't know. I, it just felt like the way that ended that he, he, he might be done. He might know he's done. I don't know. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to say, or it's fascinating to see what they do, you know, cause I don't know. I mean, when it comes to coaching, you have to think, you have to think who's better out there. And I know Nick nurse is, is the hot name, but Toronto was not great this year. And um, there might be a reason for that. And they also got sick of Nick nurse's shit. And Nick Nurse, you know, was playing his guys 35 to 40 minutes. Go through the Toronto game logs and look through how many minutes. And then you'll be like, well, he managed Kawhi. And I'm like, well, yeah. But, I, again, like, I don't Kawhi know. Kawhi manages that, himself, if there's yeah, anything that's, we know. that's actually very true. And that's a very true point. And Giannis is very loyal to his coaches. Giannis is very loyal to what is told of him. He's not really one – to just go do the Kawhi thing, right? Do his own thing. That's not Giannis Antetokounmpo. If you think that is, you just kind of don't know the guy. And yeah, there's not a ton out there. There's not a ton that just immediately fires you up. Yeah, maybe they're, you know, Kenny Atkinson still on the Warriors bench. I always liked Kenny Atkinson as yeah. the coach of Brooklyn. I, I thought Kenny did a great job, um, you know, with that team. I don't know. I mean, Bucks are another level, right? That's, but that would be a name that would come to mind for me. I think, You'd at least have to hear out Charles Lee. Um, I know people want to completely wash their hands of the Budenholzer administration. I get that. I understand that. But, I mean, Darvin Ham's doing a really good job as a fucking Lakers coach. I, I, I understand he has LeBron. I understand he has Anthony Davis. But Darvin Ham's coaching. Like, he's doing a good job. He went into Golden State game one and beat that team. That was a good win for that Lakers team. That was not a... Oh, the Warriors just weren't making shots. It was that was a that was a strong, strong, you know, game from Darvin Ham and 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 that coaching staff. And I don't oh go ahead. And you have to wonder what type of impact not having Darvin Ham this whole season. Yeah, hundred percent and and the playoffs. I mean, he is I think a very communicative guy, you know. Um and that's typically the a, a, a big trait of an assistant coach in basketball, and then the head coach kind of. And I guess that's probably any sport that you know the head coach, manager, whatever, is going to be kind of the guy that maybe isn't quite as hands on with players and stuff, and is more oriented on, you know, almost like the the professor in, in college versus the TA. Yep. You know. Yeah. Where it's top back, top. The, the professors. The professor's a little more worried about their research and um, than actually teaching and whatever. But you know, I don't. Maybe that's a bad example. But no, it, no, it's, I, uh, I get what you're saying. It, though you it's... always you, you always get concerned as much as like yeah, the Bucks are a great team. 
and have won a lot of games the last five years, um, you know, you have to consider the fact that some of the assistants are gone and um, especially one that was, you know, beloved and um, around here. And I think with, with the organization, now yep. he's not there anymore. And I, I think Charles Lee is very much similar to Darmanham and that players love him. He's always talking shit basically with the players. And, um, but if, if he were to become the head coach, then I don't know, that probably changes quite a bit. Right. And that, is he able to, you know, go from being buddy, buddy to being like, okay, now I'm the guy. Right. And we've seen that sometimes struggle. Um, and, you know, would it be better for him to kind of start his own path and try to kind of look at, you know, a, a whole new team who doesn't kind of know that buddy, buddy side of him. Right. And if he gets like Detroit, for example, which I know he was a front runner for that job, if he gets the Pistons job, like, he has a little bit of job security. Like it's not an immediate, you have to win now. Uh, you have a very young core. We'll see what Cade Cunningham's injury looks like, but it's it's definitely a job where you don't need to be a 51 yeah. guy out the well, box. I, that'd be an ideal job for Charles Lee. I think um, it would just be a matter of, well, do you want to, you know, do you want to go up to Detroit and take on a, you know, yeah. there are a couple of years in your couple of years into a rebuild. They're probably beginning the upswing. But right. obviously, there's a long way to go. And, you know, to your point before, I mean, the Bucks are in, in a different stratosphere than just about anybody, any, any team in the league. I mean, you, you know, again, who, who out there is better? You know, Phil Jackson isn't walking through that door. No. Um, you know, it's and, – and you can poke holes in, in everybody. I mean, you always hear, why did Quinn Snyder just jump at the Atlanta job? Why did Udoka run at, run at the Rockets job? Like, well – you know, those guys are good coaches. I, I would I would think about considering them as Bucks head coach, but at the same time you can you can you can find flaws in 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 their resume and um especially Quinn Snyder. Um but I don't know. I mean Kenny Atkinson isn't a bad idea. Uh, yeah. he's he's been around uh some good teams. He's done it before. He's been with Golden State, won the championship last year, uh didn't leave. Like a lot of people thought he right. might. He was about and... to take he was about to take the Charlotte job and then he he didn't take it. And I don't really know exactly Josh McDaniels them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened there. Um, you know, oh. I I mean uh, James Boriego, no thanks. Like he's a Spurs guy. He didn't really do much with the Hornets. The Sam Cassell story would obviously be nice, but I don't know if Sam Cassell would like that. That's kind of that ship sailed, right? Yeah, exactly. I Frank Vogel, I don't know. Um, like is Frank Vogel really moving the needle? Is Frank Vogel really the thing that you know solves every one of the Bucks' problems? I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, Becky Hammond. I understand that a lot of people like Becky Hammond. First of all, she has a really good thing with the Las Vegas Aces. Like they are like a super team. In the WNBA, they have a ton of talent. Um, that's your WNBA talk for the day. But so it's like also, but I understand like being the first women's head coach, there it comes with such pressure. And I don't know if that if the Bucks are the right team for that. Like in Detroit, right? That to me is a team that Becky Hammond could coach. And yeah, there would be there'd be pressure, there'd be the pomp and circumstance, there'd be probably a couple more ESPN and TNT games early on. 
but it would the pressure to be great right away is not there in Detroit. Yeah. So, so I guess my that's my ultimate point is right. You know, are you are you are you making a move to make a move, or are you making a move to get better? Um, you know, we all get emotional, and that's why, you know, people are like, "Oh, it's been forty eight hours and Bud hasn't been fired yet." It's like they're not gonna they're not gonna fire him that quick. You yeah. know, it it's gonna be a while. Like it, yeah. I think if you like, even this would be pretty immediate. We're we're only a week week out. Um. You know, I could see maybe when the finals are over um, oh, or, wow. or, you know, maybe, think, maybe after think... this round, maybe after this round of the playoffs, like another week. Um, I, my, the only reason why they could move on it is the lottery is next Tuesday, I believe. So mm-hmm. if a team who still needs a coach um, and there are a few of them who are going to be in the lottery now know where they're slotted in the lottery, they're like, all right, now we know what kind of coach we want because we're now thinking about this player and we can start now, you know, they'll, they'll have opinions on who we want to draft and where, where we're drafting and everything else. So that would be my only trepidation with waiting on it. I do think the fact that they are not doing any sort of exit interviews uh, actually. So we're doing the exit interviews for the books um, speaks to, I think just a lot of, they didn't want to answer bullshit. I, I, there might be more to that story. There might be because they are moving on from Mike Boonholzer and they just, you know, they're, they're wet, ready and waiting and getting ahead mm-hmm. of it and planning it and talking about it, maybe talking to the next guy too. Um, and it's, I don't think Bud wants to get asked about his brother, which I totally understand. And I, but I also understand the journalists, they have a job to do and they need to ask those questions. Um, and then the other part of it is, I don't think Giannis wants to get asked about the failure comments. And, I don't think he wants that shit. I think he's at this point probably laying really low and either in Mequon or in Greece or somewhere else. Uh, I know friend of the program Twigs saw Brooke Lopez out doing some UPS stuff today. Um, so yeah, they're just doing errands and they're kind of just hanging out just like the rest of us. Watching, and, watching the game tonight. Like probably, the rest of us. Yeah, probably. And I guess, uh, you know, the move to the players, I know we've done a lot of the coach. We did a lot of the coaches, uh, is there the move? Obviously, a lot of people see as obviously the decisions on Chris Middleton, the decision on Brooke Lopez, um, the Middleton decision. I, I I have a hard time thinking Middleton won't opt in. I don't know why people think he's going to opt out. I mean, I guess could a team pay him three years, a hundred million dollars, but that Middleton's then taking a pay cut. Like he's taking a seven million dollar pay cut at least this year, and. And then the other part of it is Brooke, Brooke Lopez, as good as Brooke was this year and as integral of a player he was to this team, uh, you know, he is getting up there in age. Like, you can't dismiss that but with Brooke Lopez. And you do wonder, is it like, do you put a price on it and say, all right, if you can find better, go get it, but, like, not try to overpay him and make sure you're not on the hook for, you know, a 38-year-old center in year three. Yeah, I mean that's you know it's a scary off season um, with totally. many of the reasons you've laid out there. Um, yeah, I mean as as far as Middleton, I don't know uh, any type of four year deal with the Bucks. You know, for more money than what he was getting, it's going to scare everyone, scare the bejesus out of everybody. 
just because, you know, he's on the wrong side of 30. You know, he's had trouble staying healthy now for a year and a half. And, um, you know, some of his weaknesses get exposed by teams like Miami in a postseason series. Mm-hmm. And um, it opens your eyes a little bit. And, you know, it, it's he's, – he's a good fit alongside Giannis. But, you know, is there something better out there? And I don't even know what the cap situation would be, you know – for each of the outcomes. I mean, he, he could, if he takes the player option, I mean, we're in the same spot we are now just with a little bit more money committed to him, but it, it doesn't really matter for the cap. But if he, if you were to just renounce or, well, I guess you can, it's a player option. Um, but if you were to opt out and you don't sign him back, it's not like you get $40 million in cap space to just go sign another, another max player you know, it'd have to be a sign and trade and you'd have to convince, you know, a, a, a team that would be, I guess, desperate for lack of a better term to fill the spot at the small forward, which is why I posed that trade to you guys. I don't know if you wanted to talk about yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I mean, tonight. yeah, no, I, I definitely want to talk about that. I think it feeds into where you could potentially find those whole not necessarily holes, but find those teams to maybe want to trade Middleton that where it could make Middleton look enticing. Yeah. I mean, which is why I thought, you know, getting the Cavaliers involved in some sort of sign and trade or, or trade. Um, like, I, I mean, I think Middleton taking the player option is the best for maybe everybody, maybe not Chris, you know, ultimately. Right. Um, but that's without us knowing what his market is. And, you know, because then I think he's the easiest to trade um, because a team wouldn't, you know, Cleveland, for example, could could trade for him and get a one year look at him and figure it out from there. Um, or possibly some other short term deal, maybe. But right. I think of Cle- Cleveland comes to mind because they obviously have an, uh, a, a gaping hole at the three, you know, yeah, if, you would, out, if, not, not if you guy. would put. Right. If you would, well, if you, if you would put Middleton in there, you know, I think Cleveland right away goes to, you know, they're probably locked to be projected top three seed in the East or, you know, hundred percent. I mean, hundred percent there would be, I mean, there'd be like, all right, they have Mitchell Garland Middleton and, you know, and I guess you do. One they, trade. they really they need. I think Middleton is is a good third option, right? Like, um, I just feel like he would fit on their team. Um, not saying that's what I want to happen, but you know, when if he could be the third guy and take some pressure off Garland and Mitchell, because again, in a playoff series, you don't have to worry a ton about Mobley and Allen and um, on offense, and Middleton would would create a ton of. Uh, opportunities for you know they I just think you fit well yeah. with their team. Yeah, and I I know you're going to share the trade, but other teams that come to mind are the Sacramento Kings, who need some veteran leadership on that team, right? That need another guy. Like you imagine him and Fox in late game situations, like that would be that would be great uh, for Sacramento. You have Memphis, who desperately needs veterans. Who you have a guy who's familiar with what Taylor Jenkins is doing. I think you could make a case for Atlanta 
that Atlanta, who has a lot of guys right now, could potentially say, all right, yeah, let's kind of reset it a little bit. Let's let's look and see like what how we can kind of shift the deck a little bit here if they decide to go in another direction with Quinn Snyder. Also, Quinn Snyder, doesn't he come from the Popovich tree a little bit? So there is some principles. Yeah, he was with, I think he was an yeah. assistant with with Bud. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So like, again, another guy very familiar with what, you know, Middleton, you know, could easily step right in. And I I think all of those guys could really be, you know, important dudes or important teams to potentially say, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll take a chance at Chris Middleton. And the thing that helps the Bucks is they all have young talent and the Bucks Mm -hmm. need young guys. They need to get younger. They need to have a blend of young guys and veteran guys. They do not have a Tyrese Maxey. I can't believe I'm saying this guy, but I can't. Don't have an Austin Reeves. They don't have, you know, some of these younger players that you know are breathing life into sort of the next generation of Bucks basketball, and that can kind of go right on side with Giannis. Yeah, Atlanta's interesting in a straight up trade for Middleton. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, they do have AJ Griffin and Bogdanovich. You know, Bogdan- Bogdanovich um, would be nice. I feel like they really like him, though. I don't know if um, they would move him, but you never know. Um, they, were, I mean, there was rumors about it, you know, before Quinn Snyder got there that, you know, that there that went a bit on the table and that he, sure. you know, he was coming off the bench and stuff like that. And, you know, well, um, my only my my only hang up, I guess, with Middleton being going to Atlanta somehow is that he would have to play the two for yeah. them because yeah. DeAndre Hunter's there and John John Collins, the Bucks don't need him. I mean, so it's, you know, in theory, that would be something to think about, but the Bucks really don't need a, a power forward at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless, unless they move on from Brooke and want to make Giannis the five full time, which I don't think they do. Um, not, not in this current, you know, regime. I, I don't think they, they want to do that at all to make Giannis the five. And um, cause then you'd, you'd also have, hypothetically Collins and Giannis neither one of them are great shooters either so uh that probably doesn't work either um so yeah I don't know if you want me to go through the trade I can do that real quick yeah yeah why don't we why don't you get through the trade we got we got other stuff to get through but yeah yeah for sure well I'm not saying I want this to happen but I was just thinking of possibly bringing Trey Young in to the Bucks. I, I I maybe it's just I was down bad uh on Sunday <laughs> after watching couple of games and and just thinking and i wanted to see if i could make it happen mm-hmm. it's trey young it's a three-team deal the bucks the Cavs, the hawks trey young being the the key return i suppose and for the bucks and um i got middleton going to the Cavs, and basically a poo-poo platter to the hawks um which is why i'd have to figure out how to get atlanta to want to do it other than just straight up getting wanted to get rid of Trey Young. Right. I think the case that'd be the case is we want to move on from Trey Young, get some guys that you can flip or whatever down the road. Um I'd Karis Levert, I guess, going from Cleveland to Atlanta as kind of the the, the big money guy mm-hmm. uh in that deal. Um 
Now this one I have Marjan Bochamp going to the Hawks to try to sweeten the pot. I suppose you could you could if you really 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 like Marjan Bochamp and wanted to keep him on Milwaukee, you could you could probably throw in your 2027 first in mm. in its place. Right. Uh, but I guess the the case is the Bucks would the Bucks do need I think a primary ball handler and somebody who can make shots. Um, he's so streaky though, Trey Young, and he's insufferable to watch. So I, I don't know if I'd do it, but I think he's a distressed asset at the moment. And really the pick and roll game with him and Giannis would entice you, assuming you had a coach that wanted to, to utilize that, that gift. Um, right. Just because Giannis is a role man. We've seen, you know, Anthony Davis, is not better than Giannis, but he is used in a way. I just, it works at times. Giannis bringing the ball up the court, but and I don't want to say you you should never do it, but when you when you need stuff and shit's not going no, right, it, it's clo- I mean, it clog it clogs. I mean, you see it, it it just clogs. You have a lot of clogging of the offense when Giannis is carrying up the ball, and it just doesn't. You know, it doesn't it, move. Yeah, and, exactly. It's clogged. and and and. You know, Trey Young is 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 great in the floater game and kind of that hardened pick and roll. You know, I'm either going to f- throw it to the basket or throw it to somebody to catch a lob, and um, it that that would be the enticing. And Trey Young can run into a three pointer once in a while. His, yeah, he's, he's not an as, overrated not as, shooter. Totally but, not not. But if he catches fire, it gets going. I I think if you were to ask me, would you rather have Trey Young or Damian Lillard? I'd probably say Trey Young because of the Damian Lillard, you know, the contract having $60 million at age 38 is such a poison pill. It's such a like that money you can't figure out. Like that, that doesn't get restructured. This isn't the fucking NFL. Like this isn't like, oh, it's fake money, right? Like Daniel Jones making four years, $160 million. Is Daniel Jones really going to make that money all together? Probably not, right? You know, you could when Jordan Love gets paid, if if all works out, is Jordan Love really going to get his full contract? You're going to have to pay Damian fucking Lillard that money at that age, and he's already had injuries, and he hasn't really been able to show himself as healthy. Like, I, I would rather just take the risk with Trey and yeah. figure out a way to say, all right, it's Giannis and Trey. I think the the influence of Giannis Antetokounmpo would help. I don't think Trey Young would just completely tune Giannis out. Maybe again, that's naive of me, but I do think Trey would be okay. Maybe taking a step back, like the pressure of being the guy, is a lot, and yeah. I'm sure he's felt it. And I, and that's the one thing well, why I oh go ahead. I say he's he's 24 now, going to be 25 by the time next season starts. Which you get younger. And he, but he's also not that much younger than Giannis. Um, and I think you're keeping Drew Holiday, as far as I'm concerned. And I should add also in this trade, I had Isaac Okoro coming to the Bucks okay. from I mean, from Cleveland, which which to me would also get you younger, more athletic, and and a, a a wing to just defend, not expecting him to shoot. I think in a scenario, you'd probably also be bringing Brooke Lopez back. On a on a fair deal, if you will, yep. and um, you go. That's your five. And Drew is more of a two off ball guard. Doesn't have to 
to take as much of an offensive load and you just hide Trey Young basically on defense. Yeah, and I think you could hide Trey Young with that with that sort of offense and and that, or that sort of team. I do do you think there is any scenario where Drew Holiday is the one that actually gets traded? Like if Middleton opts in, Holiday is a pretty affordable contract. It's I think around like two and seventy four for the next two years. He's well regarded around the league. If you look at that athletic survey, you know one of the most underrated players according to the players. One of the top defenders, according to the players. Now, maybe that takes a hit with Jimmy Butler. But I, I think there might be more teams, you know, if we're using the same teams that want to get a little older, I think there might be a little more enticement to trade for Drew Holiday than there are for Chris Middleton. And would you would you sacrifice that if you're, you know, in terms of the box? Doesn't sound like you are. Uh I don't think I I don't think I would. I, I think He's just too – he's just such a great perimeter defender. And, right. you know, those guys don't really – especially like at a guard spot, those guys don't really – don't really, you know, come come along often. Um, however, maybe, you know, the, the, another issue of the Bucks is they, they don't have wing depth. And um, I don't know. Maybe there is a trade out there that makes sense. And in that scenario, you're keeping Middleton – Middleton yep. maybe play, plays more of a two guard, um, and you have you roll out a little bit of a bigger lineup, um, which is, you know, okay. But sometimes in the playoffs, I don't know. It, maybe no. that's going going away a little bit as what we've seen this year. You know, I haven't seen as much small ball in no. the postseason this no, year. No, I mean and, it's it, we're, um, we're and, going we're going back to the big guys, man. Like it's just it's a perpetual circle. Well, like, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far, but I mean uh, I hear are what you, you're saying. I, I mean, are you sure though? Like Anthony Davis dominated that basketball game against the against the Warriors. Like that's the whole reason why I thought the Lakers had a chance in that series was if Anthony Davis showed up, like that's a really tough matchup for Golden yeah. State because Draymond can't keep up. And, and that's uh, go ahead. And Steph Curry had 50 in a game seven a couple right. days ago. So, I mean, you know, I, I think I, you're, you're going it, to, it's going to still be guard heavy, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I hear you, but I just, I think with, I think Jokic has been probably the best player in the, in the, besides Jimmy Butler, like Jokic has been unbelievable. And I'm kind of on the Denver bandwagon. I can't believe I am. I think there are a lot of people that don't like Denver because just people suck their dicks way too much. And I, I'm kind of with you, but I don't know. I kind of like Jamal Murray. I, I like their team makeup. Like I just, I wish I bitched about KCP and Bruce Brown being bucks too many times probably. Um, but I, yeah. I don't know. so it's just, I, I do think like John horse needs to take a long look in the mirror and say, how do I build like Denver? How do I, how do I build like how do the Lakers, you know, for all the shit Rob Plinka got, he rebuilt that team in the middle of the fucking season and did a great job doing it. How do I how do I get there? How do I get there with that? What do I do? And so I just hope that that's stuff that the Bucks are thinking about. But we've talked a lot about this Bucks team. Anything more uh before uh before we move to the NFL? Nah, we should probably probably keep it moving. We should. And the Green Bay Packers had their draft. It was, for all intents and purposes, 
pretty good draft. I think everybody, I don't look at draft grades. I've said for a long time that draft grades are absolutely meaningless. Um, but all in all, I think people are satisfied. I think the, at the temperature of the fan base right now is one that is, you know, they're feeling pretty good about where Green Bay might be. I think Green Bay is getting a little bit disrespected. I know that's a card that fans love to pull, but the fact that they're over under is seven and a half wins. It's the same as the Chicago Bears is uh, is honestly disrespectful. Um, and I don't <laughs> think I don't think the Packers are are that much worse. I think forgetting a lot of things about last season and Rodgers is everywhere. Um, I'm not surprised um, that he's just bell the fucking ball. Um, I'm not bitter about it. I know that my comment could make it seem that way. I'm not. You know, it's just it's how it goes. New York, he's, yeah, that's that's what they do. Um, so I think vibes are hot. And from the play from the draft, there's a lot of guys to be excited about. But Mitch, if you have one guy that you're like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he works into the Packers offense or defense next season, who is that dude? I think for me it's Luke Musgrave. Um okay. because you know, we talked last week. I thought tight end was certainly on my radar and that's the guy that I think is, is, has a chance to make the most immediate impact. Um, Played in the PAC 12 son of Oregon legend, uh, Doug Musgrave quarterback back in the, back in the day. Uh, Pre-Joy Harrington, pre-Joy Harrington days. Oh oh, uh, yeah. Way, way before that. I know. Just joke. Just wanted to get so, one to, to slide in a Joey Harrington uh, reference from people. Obviously, no, I, I, uh, just, I mean, good size. You know, obviously had a, had a good career at, at Oregon State. And uh, I think, you know, it, and he's a he's a Jets pick as well. So I think that he'll be forever tied to the Aaron Rodgers trade. Um, and I don't know, I'm just excited for that guy. I, I him, look, him, him, him or probably Jaden Reed. But yeah, oh, look at you just trying to take my guy, just slide it in. Let's talk yeah. about Luke Musgrave first. Um, I, I think Luke has a chance to, yeah, play out the box day one. Um, he certainly can be sort of that zone breaker. I think that a lot of people hope Jackson Smith and Jibbo would be was a guy that I think everybody wanted. I think Luke Musgrave can do Musgrave can do that. I'm gonna struggle with that all NFL season, by the way. Um, and he can, you know, he can kind of be the middle of the field guy that Green Bay really hasn't had. And tight end has been, besides the Tunyon sort of year, it's really sort of been a nothing position for Green Bay. So just to have maybe a chance at two tight ends being legitimate options is good. I I wouldn't hold out. I, I wouldn't just completely shove Josiah DeGuerre to the side. I think Aaron Rodgers sort of decided that Josiah wasn't a guy for him. And never really looked his way. And it would not surprise me if Josiah DeGuerra has maybe a moment. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, going to beat out Musgrave or or Kraft for a position, but I, I don't know. You know, you never know. And I, I do think he is very, very talented. And yeah, out the box day one. I mean, he's athletic as hell. Yeah, there are a little bit of injury concerns, but I'm not going to worry too much about college injuries just because as long as it's not like, there's a kid from Stanford who I think he only played 14 games out of three years. And I was like, no way, man, not a chance. 
Uh, but I think just having one knee injury and then really showing out in the senior bowl is enough for me to feel feel good and feel like Packers train staff will, you know, make sure that Musgrave doesn't kind of go through go through similar things again. Yeah. Too bad he went to Oregon State when his dad is an Oregon okay. legend, but I wonder how that conversation went. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a lot like the pretty me, pretty intense rivalry. Totally intense rivalry, but it's it's a little easier to be an Oregon State football player than an Oregon football player. I think Oregon, you know, looks for the creme de la creme, right? Um, they don't necessarily recruit just anybody um, there, and it's a little bit of a big brother, little brother thing. Now, I think Jonathan Smith, uh, the Oregon State coach, is a fucking great coach, like very underrated. Not a lot of people are, are grinding Pac-12 after dark like I am. But like mm-hmm. Jonathan Smith is great. Like if I, you know, there's a plus sign with Oregon State's name. Like I'm usually haunting that, um, just because that that's what he does. So yeah, I think, I think he's gonna he's gonna do that. Um, you know, there were some Mike Gusecki comparisons for Musgrave, and I know Mike Gusecki never really lived up to the hype, but also Gusecki never really had you know that good of a quarterback for the first few first few years that he was uh he was at uh with the dolphins well and luke musgrave might not either we don't know oh look at that <laughs> little uh little jordan been a while jordan. since uh been a while since we could say that yeah no for sure uh yeah you spoiled mine i had Jaden reed i think that Jaden reed smoke post-draft has been really interesting uh i don't know if you saw a tiktok that 247 sports did where basically the thought was that if Jaden Reed had a better quarterback, which is interesting that this is the theory out there because Peyton Thorne, the quarterback, was like Jaden Reed's guy from like start to finish. Like he played with him. They were both from Naperville, um, close to obviously Green Bay. They they just grew up together and they went to the same college. And But the thought was if Jaden Reed had a better quarterback, he might have been a first-round guy. Um, and – that's exciting to me. And you just wonder, you know, did, did the Packers find something? Uh, you know, he was a finalist for the Paul Horning award as the nation's most versatile player. He not only is a receiver, but he also had kick returns. He had punt returns. He had two punt returns for a touchdown. You know, could you alleviate some of that pressure off of Keyshawn Nix? And I just think he's going to be a gadget player day one. And I think they're going to use him in a lot of different ways. I, I imagine he will be part of the offense early and I don't think there's going to be as much pressure on him to perform like Watson and Dobbs had, because again, they're not succeeding Devonte Adams and they're not trying to become Aaron Rodgers' best friend. So I think that's going to really help, help Jaden Reed. And I, I could see him, you know, really being successful. And he's, he's kind of getting compared to Tyreek Hill which is okay. Yeah, we gotta, aggressive. We got to stop with Tyree Kill comparison. So we, Murph and I talked about this on Friday when Zay Flowers got compared to Tyree Kill. We gotta, we just gotta tone those down. But yeah, I can see. I mean, I, but, I he's, but he's short, stocky, very, very fast. I mean, yeah. and and you know, we'll see. You know, it's obviously, you know, the thing about Tyree is it's, it's very impressive how good of a year he had with Tua after leaving Mahomes. You know, I think that's it was fair to be concerned if he could if he could live up to it or you know his reputation as I don't know a top three receiver, um, and he pretty much did. So I don't know. I mean, that's that's uh, 
I probably a Hall of Fame receiver. So let's oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Let, let's cool it. Not, even like some Debo Samuel comparisons. Yeah, um, that'd be great. Right, and I mean, yeah, we take that any day of the week. If he's the gadget guy that Debo is, and and they take some of the concepts from the 49ers and say, hey, look, we think you can do this. You know, they're running like some sort of inverted wishbone with which I probably. A friend of the program, Doe's, just got a boner that I mentioned, Packers and Wishbone, um, in the same sentence. But, um, you know, they are uh, they run something where it's like Dylan, uh, Jones, and Reed all in the backfield somehow, and they're just, they're just doing crazy shit. I think this is the type of guy that with Jordan Love, it's going to be different, and you can utilize him in different ways because it's not, you don't, you're not on the constructs of Aaron Rodgers. And you're right, Jordan Love might not be the guy that some people think he will be, but I, I do think it gives the Packers a lot of time to or a lot of different options to to do things with these guys like Musgrave and Reed. Uh Don Travian Wicks could have also been mentioned in this in this conversation. You know, he's obviously a fifth round pick. Uh he had some drops, you know, and but he was really good at, you know, going up and get getting balls. And you know, I, I don't know if you can expect a fifth round guy to be the dude right away, but yeah, I think there there's a lot of talent in what the Packers got offensively. And then defensively, you know, I the Van Ness, where did you you know, Murphy and I talked a lot about it on Friday, but like where did you sit on the Van Ness thing? Were you okay with that? Or were you like, I don't get it? Like where where kind of how did you net out on it? And I understand if obviously your opinion has changed after the you saw the full draft. I guess I wasn't that surprised. I mean, I feel like that's a goody pick. Um, it's a young guy. It's what twenty one. Yep. As of as of this day today, and yep. extremely raw. Um, didn't play a ton at Iowa, but probably could have, and um, just a lot of untapped potential. It just it just screams like a Rashawn Gary, and I mean. I, I really wasn't surprised. I think the more you read about the guy you like, um, you know, again, just, just, he shouldn't have to make a huge impact right away. Um, you know, I think uh, a year as a, as a third edge rusher, or, or, or maybe, you know, maybe working into the third ed, edge rusher role uh, is fine for him. And then, you know, whatever happens with the Preston Smith, um, you know, maybe there's some insurance there. And, right. And, you know, and, and, also, and you can, you can just like, you can never have, it's a premier position. I'm, I mean, yep. I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, I know JSN was there and all that, and that theoretically was um, a guy that I wanted, but clearly they thought that they could get a guy like Jaden Reed in the third round and not have to worry about it, you know, over, over drafting a, a JSN who ended up falling to 20. Right which was interesting because he was probably mocked as high as like 10 yeah, and um, fell all the way to Seattle. And so clearly the Packers weren't the only team that was, you know, weren't really in on him. And yeah, you know, and yeah so I'm, 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 I'm fine with the, uh, the LVN pick. Yeah. I think, I think you hit it on the head. I think that the more I, and I said this on when I did the review on Thursday night, I was like, I'll talk myself into this. Like I'll figure this out. I, I, and then after seeing the, what was the outcome where it's like, all right, we got what four skill guys, right. You got two wide yeah. receivers, two, two tight ends. Like 
oh yeah, three times three wide receivers. You got Grant DeBose in the seventh round, who I actually kind of like. Like that's also the weird thing about this draft, Mitch. And I don't want to spend a ton of time on seventh rounders, but like the the seventh rounders they got are, I think, fucking good. Like I, I don't like I don't think they're just like slugs. Like Sean Clifford's the worst draft pick. That was the fifth round. And I understand the media mafia <laughs> trying to sell Sean Clifford. Like there's this one guy, and like I, I respect his work. I'm not gonna call him out, but he's like, they're using Sean Clifford for his mind and and they want Sean Clifford Monday through Friday. It's like, get the fuck out of here. You could have got that at the undrafted spot. Could have got that in the seventh round. You had seven, four fucking seventh rounders. Like, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. So, I don't know. Sorry. Well, that's like, that's, I mean, I was going to say you could have got Stetson Bennett, but then I remember he went in the fucking fourth round. Dude, so. Stetson, I will, I will stake a flag. The Stetson Bennett starts a game, starts maybe two games for the Rams this year. I would take the, if you gave me a one and a half on Stetson Bennett starts, I'm probably taking the over because I just don't know how much Stafford has left. I also wouldn't be surprised if that's a sneaky tanking team next this year. Um, just knowing like Caleb Williams is is there. I don't think the people have wrapped their heads. Do they around. have their pick. Uh, ooh, good point. I, they, yeah, who knows? Right. Uh, let me check. I don't think they do. Uh, they might not. And if they don't, then yeah, no, they will not. They will not be taking. Um, but I also, but to that point, I don't think people have comprehended how much actual like tanking is going to go on this year. Cause it's not, it's going to be legendary. Mm. I, I really, you I think really, so? oh yeah. Caleb Williams, that not, good. Not, not in my NFL, Charlie. Yes. Uh, I, I just, Caleb Williams generational, man. Like I get it. I, 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 I totally do. I've said it. Uh, I've said it a couple times on the spot and I will continue to say it probably all summer. Packers are two and six, like fucking pull the ripcord. Like I don't like just do it. They never like, would. Oh, I know. I know they would. I'm just that's way way yeah. too proud of a franchise. Yeah, absolutely. So we shall move on. I'm sure there'll be a lot of Packer discussions as we uh as we go through the you know kind of dog days here, honestly, because we all we have is the Monkey Brewers. Uh, I don't think any of us expected this with obviously the Bucks and thought we'd be, you know, taping after Bucks games really until June, probably. Uh, me figuring out I'm actually going to Louisville and I'll miss game one of the finals or I'll be there for game one of the finals. Like me just taping from a fucking hotel room while my wife's trying to go to bed fucking hated me uh for doing it and uh but i don't have to worry about that anymore let's just stay off now uh because that's all i have is the brewers and they uh not necessarily playing the best uh they are on the verge of losing again it's four nothing in quarters which i mean should basically be two nothing in any other stadium they've had a lot of dumb luck um i'm happy my dad's you know get on his way back from italy because i think this would be a series that is he didn't want to pull his hair out so far um but you know we're not going to talk about the present more so just what's happened so far very good april and you know if there is one thing that you've liked about this brewers team so far what what would be the the thing that you would do whether it's a player whether it's you know you know some sort of you know group of guys if it's you know uh just what was that thing that stands out to you where you're like yeah that's the that's the thing that i'm kind of hanging my hat on through what is it now 20 almost 30 games of the season well i I mean while bill Contreras has been yeah pretty much as advertised uh so far um leading the team 
in batting average. I mean, you can't really complain as the as the offense has sort of uh, stagnated, if you will, uh, really the last couple of weeks since the Garrett Mitchell injury. That has been, I don't know, apparently that's like when Steven Adams went out of the Grizzlies lineup. I mean, they just, it was a different team. And for whatever reason with uh, ever since Garrett Mitchell has been gone down, I don't know if it's, if it's correlated or mere coincidence. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's fair. I mean, are getting, getting shut out again here. Uh, so far, of course, right. well, of course I mean, for the second the game, the Brewers can't figure out left-handers. I mean, that's, that's the infuriating thing. Like Kyle Freeland did, did the damn thing um, tonight, which, you know, that's what, and then Brett Suter is, you know, having his revenge game, just struck out Joey Weimer. Um, they just can't fucking figure out lefties. I don't – they're the worst team OPS-wise against lefties in all of baseball. Like, you are not a playoff team, and you want to go into, like, what worries you. It's just they they, they can't hit left-handers. And they have guys where, like, Yelich has decent number – had decent numbers against lefties. Doesn't really anymore. But you have guys that can hit lefties. And, you know, there has been some casting here of smoke as, you know, the best AAA player to ever exist. The Barry Bonds of AAA, some people are calling him. Um, but as my guy Brent pointed out today in tw- on Twitter when I was talking to him, like Keston really hasn't done well in that Luke Voigt role where it's like, okay, we we play uh, once every four games. Like Keston against lefties. Yeah, exactly. Keston has not done well. Keston's done well when he's playing every day. And as Brent pointed out, like you're gonna need. Um, you're gonna need multiple injuries. It's Brett, not Brent, so I apologize to him uh, on that because he listens. So he's gonna probably kill me on that. Uh, but uh, it, you know, you need a Yelich injury, right? Where you just then it's DHing or a Winker injury or you know something like that, where it's like, all right, Keston's actually gonna get everyday wraps. But I do think the Brewers are you know doing a better job of like starting to weed out guys. Like Blake Perkins wasn't ready to be a big leaguer. Sent him down. Tyrone Taylor now back. That's great. I think I'm near my end of the rope with Luke Voigt. Um, and I understand the concerns on Keston, but it's like, all right, how much more Luke Voigt do I need to see before I'm like, all right, yeah, this is that I need to like be patient with it. It's not fucking Ramos Ramirez where I'm like, just wait till June, just wait till June. Like, we're not doing that with with goddamn Luke Voigt. And again, oh man. Bruce, Rockies the who knew the Rockies had good defense? Not me. Um, but anyways, <laughs> sorry. Um it's just yeah, I, I they got to figure out this left-hander thing, um, because that's not it's not something that you just can immediate that immediately flip the switch on. Yeah, I mean, so William Contreras been pretty much as good as advertised. I think starting pitching and I mean the bullpen for the most part outside of Matt Matt Bush, Jeff and, Supon DL legend Matt Bush. That was as yeah. good of a Supon DL as we've had in maybe four years. Um, well, uh, when you got when you got absolutely fucking shit pumped by the Red Sox, I think that was uh, that was kind of you know go the the go sit down for a couple of weeks. It's shoulder you know? fatigue, Mitch. That's what it is. But yeah, right. I mean the starting pitching has been good. I mean Lauer tonight, Lauer just can't seem to not have a big inning. Like he's kind of getting into that Dave Bush realm. Um, but the other stuff's good. So it's like, all right, just how do you avoid that big inning and? The broadcast, as I was watching with captions on, kept being like, "Whoa, his fingernail's bad. His fingernail's bad." It's like, "Yeah, right." All right, all right. If his fucking fingernail's it bad, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that I'm fired up about the Brewers tonight. But it's like, if his fingernail's, I just maybe want to feel something after the Bucks. Like, 
his fingernails bad, then fucking sit him down. Like, all right. Yeah, that was that was the thing after his last start, wasn't it? That yeah. Like, um, oh yeah. By the way, I you know fingernail nothing nothing major, more precautionary than anything. Yada yada yada. And then, yeah. um, you know, here we are again, still still lingering on it. But you know, the broadcast has has to have stuff to talk about, and you right. know, they're definitely not gonna not gonna put a guy down. Yeah, but so, Mitch, Mitch, they have Zany Tim Tim Dillard to tell all his same fucking three jokes that you know on the broadcast tonight. Where's Vinny Rotino? He's probably better. I love Vinny. I like Vinny a lot, actually. Um, yeah, I might I might like Vinny better than Rock. Um, don't tell. And me. he was and he was he did the whole West Coast trip, and they were like seven and three. Yeah, so. some some are saying Vinny Rotino is is really the st- the straw oh. that stir that stirs the drink. My God, yeah. that's Chris Bryant's music. Yeah. Hiding out in right field and course yeah. field cash and uh, checks. I, I I do I do like uh I, I do like what the star pitching has done. I think Freddie's been good. Corbin Burns kind of got his shit together a little bit here. Um it'll be interesting to see what Adrian Miley. What yeah, oh god, yeah. Wade Miley's been awesome. I mean, Wade Miley's been just a stud uh with what is it? He's one eighty six now and just yeah, he's yeah. looked he's kind of you could argue the MVP of the of the Brewers pitching staff so far, besides Devin Williams, who's been really good too, and can't kind of be forgotten. I think he gave up. I think he did give up a run last night, but it was kind of bad luck run. But Strzelecki has been solid. You know, prediction for me that I, I was right on about Strzelecki being the eighth inning guy. Felt pretty good about that and uh, was right. Yeah, uh, I think Strzelecki gave up. Was it a home run over the weekend or? Yeah, um, no, but, he he wasn't the one that gave up. He wasn't the one that served up meatballs to Mike Trout. That was uh, Pagaro and Bryce Wilson. Okay, Bryce Wilson I also. Another, I was just lucky. Another Bryce Wilson, another surprise though. Like if you would have told me Bryce Wilson was a high leverage guy for the Brewers, I'd say go fuck yourself. Like I watched that guy pitch for Pittsburgh and Atlanta, and he was terrible. And I just I don't know, but the Brewers have a way, right? They figure out like they just got. Trevor Miguel, who's Taylor's brother, they just got in a trade, uh, and he was terrible for the Twins. And but he's six eight, has an awesome fastball. Guess what? I bet the Brewers are going to figure something out because that's what they do. Yeah, I mean that's what you have to do as a as a small market, lower budget team. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Pick, pick pick the guys up off the scrap heap, and you know. And again, I'll I'll always believe relievers are a dime a dozen. If oh yeah, bring a guy in. Oh, God. Give him a look. He Javi Garrett and has an ADRA. He's he's gone. <laughs> I like and, that. We I know, can use. I like Javi. We can use Javi Garrett as a verb. I think for the, for at least for a month here. I like that Javi Garrett. It. That's good. Well, eight runs and eight appearances. Not yeah. gonna not gonna cut it. So, um, you know, yeah, just kind of. It's it's a long season with the Brewers and totally. um, I mean the last couple weeks have been. Up and down. I mean, yep. the nice series over the weekend with the Angels, the Tigers one was a disappointment. That now, you know, we're we're looking at a perhaps frustrating series in Colorado. Um, but uh, wow, nice play by Brasso. Um, yeah, so yes, those are uh, few, few and far between. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, another, it's that that'd be another concern. Like, I just don't know. You have to figure out that third base position because Brasso defensively just isn't it. And that would be your case for why you move on from Luke Voigt is maybe you try to find some guy who could play third base or you move Brian Anderson there and then you have an outfielder ready. 
I realize also you're limited by the fact that South Korea occurred his thumb, right? I mean, that would be the conversation I think we're having about this team right now is what is it South Korea time? But we can't have that conversation because he has a thumb injury and he's going to be down. Probably there, we probably won't have the South Korea conversation until August, which is crazy and sucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's fine. Unfortunately, Joey Weimer has kind of looked looked a little bit more like a rookie the last. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's been true. pretty ex- pretty extended here. Um, Trying to, know, was... I mean, but that's going to happen, right? And now it's right. a matter of how do you, how do you adjust? The other, the last thing I, I will say, and I'll talk probably more about it in the importance rankings that I'll do for tomorrow for Daily Tap for the month. May is really going to be a grind for the Brewers. Like after these this week, you got the Dodgers, you have the Astros, you have the the Tampa Bay Rays. Like that's not easy. That is not going to be yeah. easy. You have the Cardinals there too. Who knows whenever they can get hot? And of course, the Dodgers have you know found it. They swept the Phillies. Muncie had a grand slam to win it tonight, and they got a big series this weekend over the, against the Padres. But yeah, that. I mean, they're they're starting to cook a little bit here. Interested to see sort of what happens with the standings this year with just like the balanced schedule and totally, yeah. Can't really can't really run from anybody. No, if you will. I mean, you have to play everybody, and you know, you got to see um, the Yankees every year, and you know, which hasn't really been an issue for the Brewers, and. You know, yeah, curious to see if if there are te- any if any team has a gaudy record, you know. Yeah. Twenty twenty one Dodgers or whatever. Sure. I mean Yeah, no, I mean I think that's and I think there will be a lot of discussion around the you know, the AL East, right? Where it's like right now the worst team is the New York Yankees at seven seventeen and fifteen. And you look at the central and the Yankees would be tied for first for the central. Division and their fans right are melting down because they're in last place. Right. Exactly. But the Orioles are playing really well. The Rays are playing really well. The Blue Jays are solid. Like it's, it's interesting. Uh, I actually found out yesterday and people who listened yesterday will know this, but a little fun fact for you, Mitch, when they only had two divisions in the AL, the Brewers won 91 games in 87 and they were third best team and the Twins got in to the playoffs because they were the top team in the West, and they won 85 games. Could you imagine yeah. the outrage of that? Yeah, and there was only, what, each – just the two division winners, yeah. right? two division winners. And the fucked up thing, too, is the Twins go out and win the World Series. Yeah. So some are well, saying yeah. some are saying a Mickey Mouse title for mm-hmm. – retrospect, a Mickey Mouse title for – the city of Minneapolis. I'm just just throwing it out there. True, but it also emphasized the regular season a little bit more, and they yeah. also, and they also expanded not long after that. Are they? No, they went yeah, to the wild yeah, card. Yeah. What in '94? I think so. I think that was after the strike. I think that was part right. of like the strike negotiations and everything like that. So, right. All right, man. Well, we shall talk next week. Um, any thoughts you know look ahead nba playoff stuff or just you know in terms of the kentucky derby you got a horse that you like for the derby i have no idea um i'm, I'm sorry no, no 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 i don't know uh, don't I'm, i was setting you up i don't have a horse either i i will become a derby expert uh by you know probably one o'clock on on saturday though 
Yeah, right, exactly. Oh, yeah, just, I guess, trying to, as a basketball fan, enjoy the playoffs, but also trying to, you know, memorialize everything. Yeah. And uh, and just uh, take it day by day. Do you have a hockey team that you've jumped on a bandwagon for, for who you, you kind of want to see go far in the uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Um, maybe the Devils. Okay, got beat, got shit pumped tonight. So your your stink is is strong. Um, yeah, with, with teams here. That's yeah, fine. they're they're I mean, an exciting. Ex- I don't really like anyone in the West. The Oilers are okay, but um, ah, man, the Oilers and Kings is just going to be fireworks. I mean, it's all right. It's, they're playing Oilers right and now. Knights. Knights. Who did I say? Kings. My bad. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. I, I Kraken. Just I don't know. It's like, I don't know anybody. The uniforms are okay. Uh, the Uni- stars uniforms are kind of generic. The name is kind of stupid. Stars and... have Pavelski, which is cool. But I also, and I've talked about this on the podcast before. I have a thing with like teams and teams in non like warm weather st- cities having hockey teams. I'm just usually not a fan of. So you don't like Canadian teams and you don't like warm weather teams. I know. But- that takes I, out half the league. The least. Canadian, we we'll, we can talk about this at another day, but the Canadian one, I might have to walk back because, like, I do like Connor McDavid and Edmonton's kind of electric, and Toronto, Toronto too. Toronto there would just be the whole like the pressure of it all. Like, I just I love storylines too as a former Big J, um, and yeah, the Toronto storyline would be absolutely absurd. So yeah, but, but uh, also yeah, kind of I'm rooting for Toronto a little bit, but I just I don't know. You have they, to also. Oh God, they like they have so much talent. It feels like they should be more dominant, but that's yeah. that's hockey, right? I mean, but and the other thing, and the last thing we can leave you with is you got to remember the a lot of those Maple Leaf fans are also Raptors fans. So do you really want right. them to have success? I don't know. That's the same with the Bruins, like which is why I don't. Which is why I don't want the Panthers. I mean, it was it was good yeah. to see the Panthers beat the Bruins, but yeah, now they now they can go away. Yeah, they can go fuck themselves now. Um, that's, that's it. Like we don't, we don't need it, but then I'd sullied the Bruins for me. I liked the Bruins for a long time. Now the Celtics have ruined it. So thanks a lot, Grant Williams. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate <laughs> that. All right. That does it. We'll be back, uh, tomorrow, uh, solo pod, uh, with me and then, uh, back next week with time to keg. So, uh, stay tuned and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you then. Peace. Peace. I timed that perfectly. <laughs>